You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Star Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Lodzi, joined by my co-host today, Joey Ikes. And ladies and gentlemen, we were smacked really hard back down to earth after a week three loss to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, one that we didn't anticipate coming. Uh, I think me and Joey both came on the show and said there's not really a chance that we see them losing these next two weeks, and that's obviously we're 0 for 1 there. We're hoping we'll get back to 1 and 1 with a win against New England coming up this week. Um, we're going to talk a lot about this game. We're not really going to preview New England because I think a lot of the issues that stemmed up and, and cropped up in this week three loss to Arizona are going to be a big topic of conversation. So we're going to dive right into it. Like I said, we got a lot to discuss, a lot to break down, a lot to come through. Uh, but before we do, Joey, have, uh, have you have you settled in after watching all that tape and trying to figure out what the hell happened uh, last Sunday? Yeah, you know, it's funny with the whole the whole journey of, of watching tape and all that kind of stuff is that you almost always come out of the game feeling not quite as great as it felt watching it live or not quite as bad as it felt watching it live. And so it's uh it's just interesting to uh to see it happen and play out and all that kind of stuff where they uh they did not play very well. In, in a lot of areas and they didn't coach very well in a lot of areas. It didn't seem like, and, uh, and you put all that together with a few bounces, of the ball and a couple of referee flags that may or may not have been deserved. And away you go. And you wind up with a, uh, with a loss to a team that you should have handled pretty, uh, pretty easily. You kind of summed up my thoughts of this game after watching it through and, digging through some stuff and some metrics and some stats and all that stuff we love to get into. But this game solely felt two ways I feel about it. And again, like some of it's not, I'm still like 90% sure I feel this way. And then 10%, you know, I'm still going to, I'm still working through, but this game, after you watch it through a couple of times, it feels like the Cardinals prepared for the Cowboys and the Cowboys did not prepare for the Cardinals. <laughs> Because the Cardinals coaching staff was really good. And whether we want to blame some of the stuff on the coaching or the players or both, it's it's like the Cardinals knew how to cover and exploit the Cowboys defense and offense. And the Cowboys were playing like they were playing an opponent they have never seen before and just not sure really the right way to attack, the right way to defend. Just felt, felt like a very 
very unsure game plan or, or not planned game plan a lot of times. And then the part that I'm, I feel confident in, but I'm not overly confident in is just, there's so, so many losses throughout the years of these last few years where we point to the Joneses and go, well, this is what happens when you don't have, you know, offensive line depth, or this is what happens when you don't have the pass rush or the coverage or the weapons or whatever. And like, you kind of mentioned it. I'm not solely blaming the coaching, but this game just, for me, falls probably more on the coaching staff hands than the players' hands. The penalties, I get. I'm I'm not the type of person that likes blaming coaches for penalties. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of the older folks like to like to point to the head coach and talk about discipline, but the penalties were bad, and obviously that's nothing the coaching can do. But man, there was just from offense to defense to special teams. I just felt like the Cowboys got their ass kicked in the coaching department. And this is one where I went, you got the weapons. You know, obviously you were down on the offensive line. You were missing three starters, and that's a big thing. We're going to talk about that. But for the most part, I think it's those three offensive linemen, like, gave you a shot to win, and your coaching staff kind of let you down on both sides of the ball. And then the penalties were bad, too. So this one, I, I, I you can blame players. Obviously, they didn't play great. But, man, I just felt like even with these players not playing very good, I just felt like the coaching didn't do much – if at all, to help, you know, level out the lack of player performance on Sunday? Yeah, it's it's tough because on one hand, you look at it and you're like, and, you know, I did this a lot today. I went through the defensive tape today. And when Dallas just lined up and said, these are my dudes, those are your dudes, they kicked Arizona's butt almost right. every play. Like there was, there were very, there were a couple of little plays where, you know, they'd get a six, seven yard rush, etc. The only time that Arizona broke a big play was either a, like a super undisciplined play by a Cowboys defender, or b, some sort of weird alignment issue that then a lot of times was compounded with an over-aggressive kind of boneheaded action by the player. So like, but when they just lined up and they play, and I, like I said, went through the defense today and when they just lined up and put two real defensive tackles on the inside of the defense and put two real edge rushers on the edge and put two off ball linebackers at linebacker, Arizona did very little, but it was when, Okay, we'll use the the Rondell Moore 45-yard touchdown run, for example. Okay, they are in – it's second down and two. Okay, so not a, like, pure pass situation, right? Arizona puts four wide receivers and a tight end on the field, so 0-1 personnel. And Nate Tice did a great job breaking it down um, in a way that kind of breaks down all these details and has the video attached to it. You can go find it on uh, the Athletic Football Show YouTube. Um and the Cowboys answer with dime, so they answer with you know with Marquise Bell at linebacker, with, along with uh, with Leighton Vander Esch. But then the way they answer the formation is Leighton Vander Esch becomes the overhang defender, splitting the distance between the tight end or between the the offensive tackle and the bunch of the wide receivers on the outside. And Marquise Bell winds up basically the Mike linebacker inside, completely uncovered. 
because they're in a super wide nine set for the uh, for the defensive ends, and then the defensive tackles shift right at the last minute and move Jonathan Hankins off the nose to a three technique to uh, the side to the weak side of the formation, which is away from where the the wide receiver Rondell Moore is lined up in the backfield. And you are asked, it's a, it becomes a five on five box with a 200 pound middle linebacker playing. And it's like, if you just flip Leighton Van Der Esch and Marquise Bell, that's probably a 10 to 15 yard gain max. But because they had those linebackers flipped, now Marquise Bell is not going to be physical enough or probably read things well enough to beat or undercut the blocker that came and cut him off. Jonathan Hankins dives inside back to the A-gap and leaves both the B and C-gaps completely abandoned, which means the guard can just climb real easy to Marquise Bell. And then because Leighton Vander Esch is the overhang defender way on the backside, there's no way he's fast enough to run a wide receiver down from the backside on a run play like that, and you wind up with a 45-yard untouched touchdown. Yeah, And it's like there's just little things like that all over that tape where it's like, why is Leighton Vander Esch playing on the edge and Marquise Bell is playing off-ball linebacker? Yeah. Like, because so much – we talked about this so much over the offseason and so much last season uh, in different places about how Leighton Vander Esch kind of cleans things up in the run game. They – you know, you, a lot of people will call him better bees the way the def- this defensive line plays. You better be right because you're going to go and you're going to go hard. And then it's Leighton Vander Esch's job. And this this kind of role goes all the way back to like Keith Bullock playing behind Albert Hainsworth in the 90s on the Titans, where Albert Hainsworth is going to go and he's got a two-way go. He can pick his gap. And it's the linebacker's job to make Albert Hainsworth right. If Albert goes inside, the linebacker plays over the top to the outside. If Albert goes outside, the linebacker comes back inside. And that's the way this Cowboys defensive line plays. And when you see them play it right, they get a ton of tackles for loss. And when they don't get the tackles for loss, they get a ton of one and two yard gains because the linebackers are flowing the right way. But it was it was just a mess on the run fits because the defensive line would slant one way. And typically if the defensive line slants to the left, everybody shifts a gap in their responsibility to the left. And then the linebackers all shift to the right a gap to take on those gaps that are now vacated by those guys leaving those other gaps. And you kind of wind up with a twist stunt from two different levels when you play the run. It's a really cool way to play the run because you get guys on the move and you get some of these offensive linemen that aren't good athletes and you can create penetration and all this kind of stuff. And uh, and they would have the defensive line slanting to the left and one of the linebackers would go backside. The, the front side linebacker would try to flow back to counter the slant. And the backside linebacker would go forward with the slant. And now you got both your linebackers running in together into the same gap and you got a wide open gap. And so there was just a ton of discipline issues. And whether you call it, they were confused by, you know, whatever. The Cardinals weren't running anything crazy or complex or anything like that. Um, It just they just didn't play it very well. And it seemed like they got a little cute from a coaching standpoint on defense. And it, you know, it bit them in the butt because they they just didn't they didn't get the play that would bail them out. They didn't get, you know, the the last pass before halftime. Leighton Vander Esch reaches up, gets both hands on the ball in the passing window, 
on what might be a touchdown if he intercepts the ball, just because of the, you know, we see this kind of play all the time. Linebackers kind of flow into his left, makes an interception, and he's six yards from the line of scrimmage, and none of the offensive linemen are going to catch him, and the wide receivers are too far away, and it becomes a touchdown. Leighton Vanderish got two hands on him on the last pass of the first half, and it bounced through his hands and right to uh, to Rondell Moore, who catches it for a eight or nine yard gain. They run one more play and kick a sixty two yard field goal that they made by six inches. And it's like that's a ten point swing on one play right there in a game that Arizona won by twelve, and you just didn't get that play. And then there was another play where, and I know I'm talking a lot, and I'm sorry. Uh, there was another play where they're running a big crossing route, and Stephon Gilmore is chasing the guy down. And he's tracking the ball. And we've seen Trevon Diggs do this all the time on these big, long over routes where they will track the ball and come up underneath the guy and intercept the ball. And he just – he missed it by, like – he was super close. You know, I got my fingers an inch apart. He was that close to it, to making an interception at, like, the 10 or 12-yard line, turning him over, and away we go on offense. And he didn't get that interception, and then they put points on the board right after that. And it's like these one or two plays that this defense is used to making – that kind of makes up and washes over any of those other mistakes that they might have. They didn't make those plays, and then they had, you know, way more of the the big, huge, big play mistakes than they usually have. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's like, and again, like that's, I think anybody's got to, I, I hate to do this because it makes me sound like the emotional fan, but like, until they prove us otherwise, we kind of got to go back to the old same old Cowboys type of thing that we always talk about. Um, and again, like I do, I think this team's a lot better than these teams in the past. Absolutely. That doesn't change, but they still have to show that they can't do that. And that's something they've done consistently. But I think that the realistic fan analyst who wants to look at the tape and metrics and go, that game sucked. The coaches did bad. The players did bad. There's still a lot, like you said, there's a lot of those bounces that just didn't go the Cowboys way. Right before half, they're driving, they're trying to get in the field goal range. Offensive pass interference on CeeDee Lamb that was very – I don't like blaming officials at all. I, it's Soft. just something I don't enjoy doing. But Charmin. that's – that was a bad call. You know, we talk about the defensive pass interference that was picked up later in the game on the Michael Gallup. That's the definition of defensive pass interference. Like, there's there was a lot of those just – Calls that didn't go their way or bad bounces. You know, the, you mentioned the Leighton Vander Esch thing. Um, there was a couple of drops from tight ends that would have made third downs more manageable that they ended up putting on. Like, it just – there's a lot of things that didn't go right for them. Um, and, again, like, as I mentioned to start, I still think that if Dan Quinn didn't get co- too cute and Mike McCarthy was a little bit better on these play calls, like they still could have won that game with a lot of things not going their way. And that was the most frustrating thing for me because you were understaffed on the offensive line. Things were tough. Your defense was playing one of the worst games it's played in recent, you know, his, uh, memory. And they were still in the game and it just felt like whether it was a bad bounce or a bad play call or a bad rep, like anything that could go wrong did go wrong. And that's obviously not good because that takes you back to the same old Cowboys thing. That's something that we're, we're, we've gotten used to. But at the same time, it just feels like that was their one wake-up call stinker, and we hope we got it out of the way. Like I said, if this team is built different than we've been talking about, we feel like it is a step above where it has been. And they need to come out these next two weeks and not slip up again because then you're really going to get back into the, okay, nothing's really changed. This is the same old team that we're used to for the last 15, 20 years. 
Yeah, it's that's the, I think the frustrating part is that like you thought that this team would be a little bit different. Um and then it just felt like, you know, very early in the game, you know, Arizona goes up nine to nothing pretty early, and you're like, man, this it just feels kind of flat. Like it felt like they were slow. And, you know, you get the close-up shots on the, the TV and the, the field looked like it was in really bad shape. But, you know, both teams got to play on that field, so it doesn't really, you know, make that much of a difference. But it, it just felt like something was off. And, you know, they had a long week. And I, I didn't know that this first part before earlier this morning I heard on David Hellman's podcast, you know, Moose Johnson's talking about how, Last week on Sunday during the game, they had an assistant coach collapse on the sideline. Yeah, Sharif Floyd. Yeah. And then, I mean, we're only – we're less than three years removed from when Marcus Paul, the strength and conditioning coach for the Cowboys, collapsed in the facility and passed away. And a lot of these guys were there when that happened. And then you have this happen on Sunday. And then, you know, you – you're able to get the win. You come out of that, and you're feeling pretty good, and you get into the week, and, you know, Sharif is doing okay, and one of the emotional leaders of your team who's one of the best players on your defense tears his ACL in practice in a, you know, a relatively insignificant drill based on what we've heard. And so we it, – it, it was a long week for those guys. All the offensive line stuff, all that kind of stuff, it's a – it was a long week for them, and they had to come out and you know travel to Arizona, change time zones, play at a funny time for their bodies, and all this other kind of stuff, and uh, trying to play a game. And it just seemed like they just never got up to that level. And we will find out a lot about this team over the next couple of weeks and how they respond to this, um, because I mean, this kind of game happens. We like to think that these that these really great teams don't have these kind of games. But, you know, Moose even talked about on the podcast this morning how in one of the years that they won the Super Bowl, they were like undefeated or, you know, eight and one or something like that. And they go on the road and lose to a two and seven team in week 10. Yeah. And it's like it just happens. Teams go out and they lay stinkers sometimes. It happens. We'll find out if they go out and start blowing teams out again. You know, if they go to New England and or if they go against New England and play with their food a little bit and it's a close game and Mac Jones makes some plays and. You know, we're talking about Kendrick Bourne and Zeke is feeding himself on the sideline, uh, you know, as he runs down the field and all that kind of stuff. You know, now we're talking about like some real concern. But if they come out and just smack the crap out of Patriots next week, then I think especially from the defensive side, a lot of that concern goes away because it's like, you know what? It was a fluke game against a an offense with a first-time offensive coordinator with only two weeks of game tape with a, a defensive head coach so you don't have any sort of real inclination of what kind of offense you they're really going to be because it's not coming down from the head coach. You also have a quarterback who's only started three or four games in his entire career and, you know, a lot of unknowns on, on that scheme. And you kind of – maybe we get through this and we got a couple of good games, a couple more good games in a row and we say, okay, that was a fluke. This defense is still really freaking good. But if they start toying around with these teams and these teams keep finding ways to cause coverage busts and make the huge plays in these big moments, um, it, it's going to be time to back down our expectations for what this defense can be. And unless, you know, unless Mike McCarthy raises his game quite a bit, we're going to start to have questions about what the ceiling is going to yeah. be for this team if, if the defense isn't 
you know, absolutely in that tier up there where it's almost untouchable. Yeah, and and that's that's where I'm at with things. I think this defense is going to be fun. I think this was a. I, mean, I hate to say it this way because they did, but like they didn't miss Trayvon Diggs on the field, but I think they missed his energy and intensity. Um, I mean, we saw after the first two drives, like <laughs> whether it was injury or what, but like Micah Parsons on the bench, you know, sulking a little bit. And like Diggs is the type of dude that he's he's an energizer bunny man. Like that's something that I don't think he gets enough credit for. You know, like he is intense, he's fiery, like, and that's that's and and they got other guys on that defense that are like that. Um but I think that they missed his energy and intensity and his fire that he brings to the the huddles, the the, the stuff pre-snap, in game, all that stuff. But I think in in totality, this defense is gonna be fine. I think they got they they obviously settled in and it, it after halftime and like kind of got the shit together a little bit and, and didn't didn't have as rough as a second half as they did their first half. Obviously you would have liked to see them not give up a big play like they did and maybe show a little bit more fight there at the end. Uh, but the game was pretty much over at that point. But, but in the long haul, I think this defense is going to be fine. I think they probably won in this game a little too high and mighty, got their feelings hurt. I think they'll be fine. Um, I think Deron Bland got better as the game went on, started off a little rocky. I think Stefan Gilmore had, a rough day, but he'll be fine. These safeties will figure it out. Like that was one thing that I think me and you had talked about on Twitter a little bit during the game is like none of the safeties had a great game. Um, and that's something they had been doing really well. J. Ron Curse had some issues. I know Donovan Wilson had some issues in his first game back, working back into things. Um, I know they didn't blame Malik Hooker for the the big play, but, you know, that obviously looked bad at the time. I uh, just felt like, like, We've said everything that could go wrong went, went, did go wrong. Your linebackers didn't play well. Your your one technique, Jonathan Hankins, who's been so good against the run, had some some issues. Um, they didn't put the pressure on the quarterback like they had been. All in all, long story short, I feel good about this defense. This offense, on the other hand, I mentioned it last week. You know, we talked about it. Felt like we were nitpicking a little bit after a big win against the Jets, but we see the same issues that we kind of talked about and how to raise concerns about crop up again in a game where you were down two possessions pretty much the whole game. And we didn't ever feel like they were being more aggressive. They were being, you know, that, that bully on offense that we've seen them be years in past where it's just explosive play, explosive play down the field score. They're trying these and, 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 and it's part on us because the West Coast offense isn't a offense that you're going out there trying to hit explosive after an explosive. It's a long developing, take care of the ball, ball control, east to west style and offense. And that's all fine and dandy. But when you get down to two scores and I mean, I, I was getting ready to pull my hair out at the end of the game there where they just kept methodically moving down the field, just eating up clock down two possessions where they struggled in the end zone all day. It was just so frustrating. And I mean, again, like if we didn't see some sort of aggression, and I, at that point it doesn't matter who your offensive line is. You have to be aggressive. You have to go hunt for points. If you're not going to see aggression there, like are we going to see it? And I think that's the main question a lot of fans and people have right now is, is this what we're going to see out of this Cowboys offense no matter what the, you know, like the game script, the game itself isn't going to dictate anything that changes it's just hey this is our offense and we're going to run it no matter what the score is because if that's the case like you said this is really gonna 
hinder the ceiling of what this team could be and can be with the playmakers it has on offense. Yeah, and, you know, I'll go to bat a little bit for the offense in terms of the play calling and stuff like that in that the way Arizona played defense made it really – basically every early down they were dropping into Tampa. They were dropping – Everybody on the front on the the first zone of defense was at ten ish yards, right about the sticks, and then they had the middle linebacker Keon White or uh, Kaiser White flying up the post, and they had split safeties. They were they were not, and that's you know that's Brandon St- or not Brandon Staley. I mean, it is Brandon Staley too to a certain extent, but that's you know that's Jonathan Gannon. That's who he is. He's going to drop and he's going to try to rush with four, um, and. So they made it really hard to do that. Now, the thing that is a little bit aggravating is that rather than trying to, and they did it a couple of times and it worked really well. And I'm like, yes, do like more of that, like run guys off. Because if you run wide receivers past those frontline defenders, those underneath defenders in zone, they will move. Whether they take two steps back, they turn and run, they, you know, you can morph the zone, you can bend and pull the zones in different directions. And you can make things easy where you run guys down the field and then you leak Hunter Lepke out to the left hand side and you flip him the ball and it turns into a 12 yard gain before anybody touches him because everybody's run off 12 to 13 yards down the field and he kind of leaks out and makes it a really easy play. They did it with Tony Pollard a couple of times, but it was like, it felt like, they could have hit that play, that type of play, almost every first down and gotten eight or nine yards out of it almost every time. The pass blocking held up just fine. Like, yeah, they, they, the way that offensive line played, considering everything that happened at really the last minute of the week, Tyler Biotis gets hurt on Thursday. Zach Martin was out all week. Tyron Smith gets hurt, what, Saturday in the walkthrough or something like that, Friday or Saturday? He gets hurt pretty late in the week or stops misses practice late in the week after he had been full the the whole week before the rest of the week. Lots of changes happen on that offensive line. And they held up just fine. And really they run black, they run blocked pretty well. Um, but what the Cowboys insisted on doing on these early downs is these traditional West Coast concepts yeah. of <laughs> I'm going to take a three-step drop in quick game and throw a slant or throw a stick or throw a flat route with nobody to expand this zone coverage, and I'm just going to let these underneath zone defenders sit on these routes. And I'm going to throw a slant, and every time I throw a slant or a a stick or a hitch or something like that, my guy is going to get pummeled, and we're not going to get any run after the catch. Because there's going to be a dude waiting right behind him. Because why wouldn't they be? Right. Because there's there's nobody there's nothing going on to run these guys off. There's nothing going on to move them sideways. And like, I don't I didn't count it, but there had to have been three or four like first and ten regular down and distance. We're going to run a screen pass. And it's like, and what? Maybe that's a response to hey, we're down some offensive line, but we need to put some screen passes in let them get a break from pass protecting on these downs. But these guys are rushing for and playing look at me zone coverage. Like you're not going to get anything on a it screen pass. Right. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> right. You're like 
the first one, the first one, the first two, okay, it makes a little bit of sense. We're trying to get a feel. Are they going to bring a bunch of pressure at us? Right. Because we have these young offensive linemen. And they did a few times. But for the most – and they were doing it on early downs. You know, like they're dropping into Tampa and we're throwing a freaking slip screen to a running back with one offensive lineman out in front. And you got four defenders crashing down on him because they were all watching the ball go out there. Like, that, that's not how you, that's not what you run a screen into. You run a screen into man coverage where you can block the guy who's supposed to, be, you can get the guy caught up in traffic who's supposed to be covering the, the screener and you, you get the ball out there. And now you got wide receivers 40 yards down the field and on the opposite side of the field with their man coverage guys. And you got two blockers out in front of a running back and away we go. But, it just felt like they didn't do anything to try to manipulate the zones that they were facing or the coverages that they were facing to try to create space for for guys to create opportunities. And I know you and I had a conversation on Twitter about the interception in the fourth quarter where it was kind of the same idea. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's – it's that's – I mean, that, again, like that was a point I started with, but like that's the scary part is it's just like – a lot of the stuff that got McCarthy canned in Green Bay and, you know, had him button heads with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like it's three weeks in, I I don't want to set the alarms off yet, but like we're seeing a lot of that stuff kind of come back up where it's, you know, again, we saw Aaron Rodgers for years throw those contested slants, slant flats into coverage because there was nothing deep down the field and, you know, look over a sideline shaking his head like we got to do something different. And, I mean, again, we're three weeks in. Don't want to sound the alarm yet, but that's kind of what we're saying is we got to do something different. There's got to be some some change in the philosophy. And, again, like we saw them take a few of those 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 deep shots to Gallup and CD and um, – two or three of them hit and they drew some penalties on, and maybe it's just incorporating those more into the offense. But as we talked about, until you threaten that mid, you know, mid to third deep half of the field, you're just going to have your safeties coming downhill, your linebackers sitting in the flats and it's going to be tough sledding. And we haven't seen them really shoot the seams at all this year. And that's something that was it 2020, 2021 that they just, they were, torching teams up the scene with Dalton Schultz and, you know, CeeDee Lamb. And, I mean, again, that's not part of the West Coast offense, but at some point you, you might have to look at that and go, hey, man, we're, we might not be built for this because, I mean, that's the thing. That's the frustrating thing, too, is, like, Gallup got involved this game, but Gallup's not a guy that you want running slants all the time or, or flats all the time. That's not who he is. He's a guy who you want running. We've talked about it on the show before. You want running those deeper routes and nines, and, you know, some of those 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 – deep post routes and all that and cooks is a guy you want stretching the field and it just i hope they're not trying to fit that you know realm ball into the square peg type of the, the saying there because that's that's the that's the point where you just get frustrated you start you start i mean we saw frustration from cd lamb and whether i mean he was getting the ball plenty throughout that game you know but just things weren't really connected with him the way he wanted we obviously saw him kind of give up on a ball that he probably had a chance to score on, but you don't want this team to get frustrated and, you know, feel like they're, they're beating their head up against the wall. And and that, I don't know, like you want to say, you want to be able to have confidence that that's not going to happen, but 
This is the first time we've seen McCarthy really be the the main play caller installer of an offense since things went really bad in Green Bay, and it's hard to really have confidence that things are going to change in that. Again, it's week three, but that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. Yeah, it's week three, and they were really good through two weeks. Like, extremely efficient through two weeks. And, the, and, and like, they, they still were efficient between the 20s. Like, we don't want to get too – I guess negative here, but like they had no problem moving the ball, but they get inside that 15, you know, 15, 12, 10 yard line. And the things that they were doing just, again, we talked about didn't really make a lot of sense. They were, they weren't, they weren't playing smart football inside that red zone. They were running on first and first and goal from the 10 yard line, getting no yardage. And then they were running a play action bootleg that couldn't, I mean, again, like, you want to run play action on the goal line to leak a guy out, you know, for an easy score, that's fine. But you're running bootlegs from the, I want to say it was from the 15th yard line, 15 yard line on second and goal after a penalty. And it's like those, you know, even if those guys bite up a little bit, there's no, there's no space to get behind them. You know, especially when you're running. There's no room. There's no room for a vertical stretch there, which is what you're trying to do when you, when you do that, as you're trying to, Exactly. One guy deep, one guy middle, one guy short, and you're trying to pull that defense apart where your quarterback can then find the gap in the defense. There's no room for that when you've only got 15 yards before the goal line and 25 yards total worth of the field to play with. Yeah, and again, like, you, I think you mentioned it earlier, but, like, those Cardinals defenders were not scared of those play fakes at all, man. They were, you know, most of the time you have some hev- hesitancy, you know, either guys flying downhill or, you know, really – taking an extra second to make sure it wasn't handoff. Man, they were, like, flying downhill on the play fix. Like, they knew they were coming, and that's just – like so that's, that that was a scary part for me. Is like, we keep saying it's week three, but it's week three for these other teams, too, and if they already got a beat on what's coming, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's like and, – and part of me wonders – you know, you talked – you led off the show with the idea that, like, it sort of felt like one team – the Cardinals prepared for the Cowboys and the Cowboys just showed up to play, right? They didn't really prepare for the, the Cardinals, which is, like, ludicrous to say, right? There's 50 people in that building who sure. their entire job is to prepare for the, the upcoming opponents, right? So it's it's a little bit silly and maybe even, like, borderline irresponsible for us to accuse them of this. Sure. But, like, when you watch the tape and you see, like, 80% of the pass plays are just, like, quick game mirror concept slants on both sides or slant flats on both sides or stick on both sides or, you know, the the Satan's play, spacing, right, where everybody just runs out there and turns around and looks and you just got five guys standing in a row at the same depth turning around and looking at the quarterback. That was in there a couple of times. We all hated Kellen Moore for that. You know, it's still here. Um they it's it's hard to say like they were extremely well prepared and had things put in specifically for the way the Cardinals were going to play defense and then watch the way they played and watch the play selection when they played. And, you know, somebody needs to, to find Mike's play sheet or play like stickers that he puts up on the board that somebody copies and makes an excel spreadsheet for for the the play sheet for the week and find the sprint right option and the sprint left option stickers and like 
burn them. Like put them yeah. in in Jerry's Crazy. cigar ash or something <laughs> like that, and let them get all burnt up. Because like you need to throw that crap out. It it has sprint right option hasn't worked in the NFL since you start since you were calling it in San Francisco in 1999 or whatever. And it worked. Right. It, it, it worked. It worked on Sunday, and two guys were sh- hugging each other. Is Brandon exactly Cook- like <laughs> it, it? Yes, like it's. It is not a 2023 NFL play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And they ran it probably four times on Sunday, and one at least once last week. And there's just some of these things that like you, but then you also see things like Mike McCarthy's calling RPOs that didn't exist in 2018, really. Whenever he was, right. you know, it was not a widespread NFL thing for, for them to call for people to call RPOs in 2018 the way it is in 2023. And Mike McCarthy's calling them. But I'm going to touch on that a little bit because that was that was a topic that we saw on Twitter a lot today. I guess did you see the post that Bob Bob Stern made where goal line it looks like an RPO, but the, both the left tackle and left guard pulled. They handed it to Tony Pollard. He got hit in the back. I want to say it was the first running play of that last drive. What are you? Did, do you know which play I'm talking about? You're talking about the uh, the inside zone give where Dak could have kept it and taken off. Yeah. Do you think that that was an option to play? It, I don't think it was a read. No. I don't I think, think it was a give. Either. I think it was a give all the yeah. way. I, I, he, I don't he think he never once looked. Not not even for a second that he looked. Well, norm. I mean, and again, like that. I don't want to say all the time, but a lot of the times, if it is an option, you don't have both of those left side players pulling like that. Yeah, or even sometimes you will because you want to create the flow. Right. Right, and you want to create the flow and create the gap advantage on the front side, and just say, okay, we're going to outgap you on this on this read side by reading the guy, right? Um, I don't, but I don't think it was a read. Dak didn't look for a second like he read it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't. On I the don't, other side of that coin, I don't think the on the play where they ran the they ran CD, CD in the in the order I don't think that was an option, the option. I don't think that was a read either, at least not on the give part. Right. Uh, the, I think the you know the run might have been an option, but when you don't give him the option to hand it, you run into this situation. And we've seen this happen with the Cowboys. You know how many times have the Cowboys run some version of speed option or something like this, where Dak is pitching the ball on his first step. Right. And like you're never going to be successful running the option from the shotgun when your quarterback is pitching the ball on his first step, because there's no there's no pull on the defense right. there's no stretch on the defense there's no it, it just becomes a toss play 
Right, you have nothing with, to make no that lead blockers because you're you're supposed to be reading the guy, and it becomes a, a toss play where with with no conflict. And right. so there's just a lot of these little things that um, that they that it feels like they just don't have. And maybe it's you know they had you know, I mean they ran a ton of plays last week, so they don't really have that excuse anymore. But it is week three of a new you know quarterback, offensive coordinator, head coach, play caller combination. Um, maybe that'll get better. Maybe they'll go, maybe they'll figure out what they have. You know, there is the, the dynamic of, you know, we were relatively happy to see Zeke move on, to see them move on from Zeke from a football standpoint, relatively happy to see them move on from Dalton Schultz from a football standpoint, but that was something like 17 or 20 touchdowns that left the team that they now have to figure out schematically how they're going to replace. Um, I don't think it should be that hard because we've seen, you know, Jake Ferguson be able to execute in the red zone, all that other kind of stuff. Uh, but they seem like they're still kind of figuring it out. And they also seem, based on what we're talking about, it was not a read on the on the give. It was not really a read on the option, on the pitch. They're, it seems like they're taking the design quarterback run game out of the fold inside the 10-yard line, which to me the problem is – between about the 12-yard line and the 5-yard line. There's like that weird in-between zone that's not like the full field. You can't treat it like the full field, but it's also not the goal line. Right. And there's a special selection of plays you have to have there, and their plays in that area just looked not very good. The spacing was not good. The The distribution of routes was not good. They ran the ball fine to get inside the 10 from the 15 or 20, they ran the ball great to get there, but then things tightened up, and that that part I think is where the the offensive line talent kind of showed up was in was in that area there, trying to run the ball down there in the red zone. Yeah, and and I mean that's the I guess my whole like sentiment from last weekend and this week is just like if you're struggling when you get inside the ten, let's try to score from the twenty. Like they were so good at that a few years ago. I mean, yes. how many how many. 18 to 20 yard touchdowns that they have to Dalton Schultz or CD Lamb up the seam, you know, from the 20 yard line. It was like, it's like when they got, when they got had first and 10 from the 20, they were taking a shot up the seam in the, in the end zone. Like that was like their go to play. Yeah. And they, they did it in week one, right? And yep. Peyton Hendershot dropped it and yep. we haven't seen it since. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, so instead, I mean, that, they're, that's they're the biggest, the, that's my biggest. And again, like I keep saying that's my biggest, but like, one of my one of my biggest concerns is just like the lack of I mean you see these play callers man like the guys who are the best guys they don't care that Brock Purdy's their quarterback they don't care that Tua Tagovailoa is their quarterback like they're gonna keep the foot on the gas and that's my biggest concern right now. McCarthy is just like he played that game like he was scared of his offensive line, and you know we saw the you know few shots, and it's just I don't know. Like there, I think it was our buddy Daniel Houston, who's Cowboy Stats and Graphs on on Twitter, who said that you know they're they're playing this offense right now like they're terrified of all the interceptions from last year. It's just like <laughs> I'm begging, I'm begging for more interceptions at this point because they came in aggressive plays and aggressive moments and I want them to be more aggressive. Yeah, I, I do. You know, we, we've talked a lot about the, the head coach and the play caller, right? And you, you will struggle to find very many people who are bigger fans of Dak Prescott, the quarterback than I am. Yeah. There were plays to be made 
that Dak passed up in this game. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking shots. Peyton Hendershot running wide open on the left side of the field all by himself. And Dak never got back there. And plays like that. You could take the post, you could take the corner, you could take the whole shot, and he takes the check down. Maybe that's how he's being coached. Maybe that's a bound and determined I'm not throwing the interceptions the way that I did last year. Um, But there were plays to be made in this game that weren't made, and it was because the quarterback didn't take them. And, or, uh, or he didn't get to him, like you said. Like the progression right. was that's third in the progression. And I mean that that I can't tell you how many screenshots I saw of a still play, you know, where they're running dragon or slant flat, whatever you're gonna call it nowadays. And and you know, <laughs> the progressions one, two, three, four, and the fourth guy's running a slant wide open on the left side, and he's still on the second progression about to get hit. It's like that's not how football works, guys. Right. And it's like the but one of the things that Dak has been so good at that makes him so dangerous as a quarterback is that he he will skip reads of his progression because he knows it's not going to be there. Right. And maybe it's the new twist on the offense. Maybe it's I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to make those assumptions because those assumptions might be what <laughs> that anticipation that everybody said he couldn't do for the first couple of years of his career that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league at doing at this point. Um, maybe part of what they felt like cost some of the interceptions with some of those assumptions and anticipation. And they're saying, hey, just throw the underneath route. Make the completion. Take the completion. And, you know, we've heard John Gruden say this kind of stuff all the like, You know, you can never go broke making a profit, well, right? You can well, never go broke yeah. gaining four yards on a completion. I think Mike came out this offseason and said, hey, we don't have to always, you know, I can't and, remember that word, you know, way he phrased it, but it was pretty much like, don't always have to hit the big one as long as we're hitting the right one. I think it's something along those lines. I can't remember yeah, that, what it said. And Dak said something about, you know, the big plays are going to come, but we're not going to go hunting. Right. And I'm like, like everything in me is like, man, you you can't live in this league without like big explosive plays. Like think about the Cardinals, right? Like. 44-yard run on the opening play or on the second play from scrimmage or whatever, they go down kick a field goal. They they only got like four yards of offense on that drive other than that 44-yard run. That 44-yard run is a three-point run by itself. 45-yard touchdown run from Rondell Moore. Untouched, right? Big, massive explosive play. Touchdown. That's a seven-point play. Big explosive throw to Michael Wilson on the play action busted coverage. Seven-point play. Um, That's 17 of their 28 points, really, on three plays. Now, yes, they had to execute from the 10-yard line in. They had to make the field goal, whatever. But, like, you're talking about, like, the Cowboys offense that is way more talented than what Arizona walked out there with. And they have – they've got juice. Like, you can see when Rico Dowell gets the ball, he's got juice, man. Like, he he hits it. He's gone. He's gone. Mm -hmm. Tony Pollard, same thing. He's got juice. CD, when he gets the ball, exciting, right? He's going to make somebody miss. Brandon Cooks, we know he's got speed. 
we've seen Michael Gallup be the vertical playmaker guy. And in this game, like I said, Arizona did a lot to keep that from happening. But we're now two or three weeks in where they they just don't have that. They don't have the 50-yard play. And really, they they haven't had it the last few years because they were slow, right? They had Zeke. He wasn't very fast. You know, he was the primary ball carrier. You know, the uh, the wide receivers haven't been like – they haven't prioritized speed at wide receiver a lot of times. No, you know, Noah Brown's not running away from anybody for 50 yards, right? Um, the tight ends have been, you know, less athletic for a few years. But, like, I mean, you got you to gotta find a way to make some big plays or you're going to wind up just getting choked out with – you know, we uh, way back in the in the day, not that long ago, but you know, the Vic Fangio Broncos figured out the 2021 Cowboys or whatever it was. I think that was the year. You know that that now the blueprint is out there of how to stop them, and the Cowboys fans kind of laugh. You know, oh, there's not a blueprint to stop our offense. We got the best offense in the NFL, and they did, but that blueprint reared its ugly head at some really bad times, mm-hmm. and, and you better believe that. You know, the defense that this head coach just left that you have to play twice a year, they know how to play this way. The 49ers, they know how to play this way. And both of those teams are way scarier up front than what you faced in Arizona. And it it's going to be very interesting because if they if if they don't find a way to dial up some really big plays over the course of the next few weeks. Um, they're going to be really good for a while because Dak is just ruthlessly efficient, like just ruthless in terms of how good he is at just executing over and over and over and over and over again. Um, But they're going to run into some teams. What happened last week? Exactly. But they're going to run into way more talented versions of that team. They're going to run into Washington playing not too different of a scheme with four first-round picks on the defensive line. And San Francisco with Nick Bosa and – uh, Javon Hargrave and Arik Armstead and and Fred Warner and that group and they're going to run into you know New Orleans and the way they're playing defense and they're going to run into those kinds of teams heck New England and the freaks they have running around like you're going to see probably the same exact thing you saw this past week you're going to see sped up to like 12 against New England coming up because they've got some freaks on that defense mm-hmm. and they've got the best defensive coach ever coaching them yep so, so get ready because it's coming and they're gonna have to figure out a way to make plays and they've been able to beat the patriots before and make plays against the patriots before um the way they had run offense before it's gonna be interesting to see whether they can do it now or if it's uh if it's time to start getting concerned about some of the uh of mike mccarthy's comfort zone rearing its ugly head as he gets further and further into the season and gets into a rhythm of calling plays of, you know, the, the three or four things that he really likes that just come out of his mouth really easy. Yeah. And again, like I'm not hitting the panic button yet guys, but I will say if I'm not concerned yet, like you said, it, it, ain't, it ain't gonna take long into this week, week four matchup to where that concern button is bright red. Cause it's, you know, and, and and I do also want to preface it by saying, 
the first two weeks they were destroying teams. They didn't have to do anything. So I'm really taking what I saw in a relatively close game against the Jets in last week to to build my case for the concern. But like you said, this week's going to be a good matchup because this is still a really good defense they're going up against. Patriots offense hasn't been very good uh, to start the year. Um, you know, they've had some their moments, but it's been an offense that you can probably take advantage of and then a defense that you really got to be on your – you know, P's and Q's to find success against. So this will be a very good opportunity. You're, you're thinking you'll probably get some of those offensive linemen back, if not all of them. Um, but at some point you just get, like I said, like obviously you don't want to play it stupid, but I think me and you both have talked about and said from this game, like those three offensive linemen did their job to give you a chance to run whatever offense you wanted to run. Sure, Adoga had some struggles at left tackle think he's probably a much better left guard than he is left tackle, but you still could have survived doing whatever you wanted to do on offense for the most part um, last week. And it just, it felt like there was some, some afraidness going on in that play calling and designs and the structure of that offense. So we definitely want to see that improve uh, this week against new England. Going to be a tough one. Like I said, that defense is really good. Got some dudes in all three levels of the field. Christian Gonzalez, the rookie out of Oregon is an absolute baller. So it'll be fun to see him kind of match up against whoever he draws. Uh, they got some dudes, pass rushers, Josh Uchey, uh, Matt Judon. Like I said, they got guys on in all three levels that can really, really play. So I'm um, going to be a fun matchup for sure. It's going to be a get right week for Dallas. Cause like I said, we're, we're, we're two weeks of riding high. Couldn't have felt any better. And then if you go two weeks of disappointment, <laughs> You went from Super Bowl coach of the year, MVP quarterback to who's getting fired, what what changes are we making? You know, there's gonna be a lot of conversation if this team drops a, another game here in, in week four, because it just gets tougher from there on. Yeah, and you know, even even if they drop this game in week four, the season's not over, right? It's a no it's a long freaking season. They did sure. their job early in the year to keep themselves from winding up in a big hole. Even at even at two and two, they'll be fine, right? Um, you know, we, you kind of we kind of came into the early part of the season saying like, "Hey, the early part of the season is kind of the the preseason. Get through it two and two, you'll feel okay. You'll feel you'll know what you are as a team, and you can roll forward." I think the expectations got jacked up quite a bit because of the way they played early in the year against the teams that you thought would be two of the tougher teams you played in this first four week stretch. Uh, and then you have a letdown in a game you're favored by 12. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, you're going to have think to if, see... they, if they come out and drop this game, is it the end of the world? No, but I think we're going back to the, okay, this team isn't, you know, they're not in that tier team that we thought they were two weeks ago. Right. It's They're going to have to – see, there's, you know, there's two kinds of teams that can win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. What, one of those teams is – the team that is just consistently relatively dominant, right? The Kansas City Chiefs, you know, you got to give it where it's due. The Philadelphia Eagles play this way. Absolutely. Where even when they're off, they're on, mm-hmm. right? Even when they're off, they're incredibly hard to beat. And and then there's the teams a tier below that that can win the Super Bowl. And those teams that can win the Super Bowl a tier below that are the teams that have the capability of being extremely dominant for a three or four game stretch and then 
just like absolutely laying eggs two out of the next three weeks. And, you know, what the Cowboys have been the last few years is that team, the team that can go on a four-week run and run through the entire league for four weeks and look like the best team in the league for four weeks and then come back to come back to earth for three or four weeks before they ramp back up. And you still win a bunch of games that way because if you win four games in a row and you play 500 the rest of the way, you're going to win, you know, 11 games or so. Um, but if you if you're not hot at the right time, you're going to lose to one of those really good teams, the San Francisco's, the Philadelphia's, the Kansas City's. You're going to lose to one of those really good teams in the playoffs unless you're ultra hot. The hope was, hey, this team is built in a way and constructed in a way with a quarterback and a defensive playmaker in the right spots to be one of those teams. Mm -hmm. And if we see more games like the game against the Cardinals, and like, let's be fair, right? Like the Buffalo Bills had a freaking like, laid an egg in week one against four plays of Aaron Rodgers and the rest of it was Zach Wilson, and they lost a game they never should have lost. But then they've come out the next two weeks and looked incredible. So they laid their egg in the first week. Right. Kansas City <laughs> kind of laid an egg against Detroit in, in week one. They Which come we, out I, and looked I, in- I feel like we'd feel better if the egg was laid in week one and then week two, three, four, you know, the track, you know, you were the arrow was projecting up, I guess is what I'm saying. Exactly, because then you get to tell the narrative of, oh, you know, it was the first game of the year, you know, blah, 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 division opponent, you know, all this kind of stuff. Several teams, you know, week one's always kind of hard. You never know what's going on, you know, all that kind of stuff. That narrative stuff makes a difference. But when you really back away from it and look, this team still has some of the best results in the league. You know, I'm not looking at it right now, but I bet their point differential is way up there in the league still. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Even after they take a, a double-digit loss this week against the team they were favored by 12. I think they're um, third in DV, total DVOA. Right. Like we're, we're still talking about one of the best teams in the league through three weeks. But right now, instead of talking about them beating up on a team like we have the last two weeks, we're talking about a game where they didn't play their best against a team that had their best game, their most consistent game of the year. And then also they had some bounces and some referee calls not go their way. And I'm not blaming the referees because they're do, they're just doing their job and over the course of the season it evens out, whatever. But, you know, there were some things that – some judgment calls that the referees judged that went against the Cowboys, not because the referees were choosing to go against the Cowboys, but the way they made the call, the holding call with, with um, Micah, right? That call starts basically on the goal line. So it's like they could call it a safety. Or they could call it a holding at the one yard line, and it becomes a you know a, a two yard penalty basically. And they did they did the latter, and it becomes almost nothing, versus being a game changing play where it's two points for the Cowboys and Dallas ball, right? Um, and those sort of things just consistently seemed like in that game that small sample size to go against the Cowboys, uh, and they lost. And so we all feel like crap about it, but this team is still really freaking good and they still have really good players at really important positions and as long as we know Dan Quinn can coach a defense that's dominant and put them in position to be dominant we've seen it for two and a half years now I I have faith that even though they got a little cute he's going to coach a defense that's going to be really good we'll see about Mike McCarthy because we don't have that recent body of work over more than a couple of weeks to say 
hey, yeah, Mike McCarthy can dial up the right stuff at the right time, get create some explosive plays, create some big gains, continue to be efficient and score a bunch of points. And we don't have that over more than a couple of weeks. And I think that's the part that's scary to everybody right now is, yeah. oh, well, crap, what, what if this offensive stuff, this offensive side of the ball isn't as good as we hoped it might be or talked ourselves into it being? And if it's not, then what does that mean about what this season can hold? Yeah, and I guess that's all I was really trying to say is, like, they go out and drop this game and play the same way they did this week against the Patriots or maybe even a little bit better, but they let the Patriots beat them. You just kind of go, okay, you know, this is a little bit talented, more talented roster, but with some of this coaching changing and some of the injuries right now, like, this team's kind of what we're used to. And it, I, I, while I think that can be a little – you know, fanatic fan think. I don't think it's totally out of the realm that that's realistic. You know, if they if they do, if they go out there and handle their business and it's like, okay, they go into San Francisco and say they lose to San Francisco in two weeks and it's a close game and they, you know, it's tough fought. San Francisco beats them by a field goal. Like, that's not time to put the panic button. But that, that tier of team that we have mentioned and talked about, and we'll close on this, is that tier of team that we think this team is capable of being and we thought it was after two weeks – they flush this crap that just happened down the toilet and go out and, you know, beat New England by 10, 14 points and, you know, not even really break a sweat. It's like you said, that that next to your team that like every other game is kind of a, let's see if we can get through it. And, and I think that that's what we just want. We want to know what this team is. We want to know if it's one that we can get excited about, have the Super Bowl aspirations with, or we want to know if it's, hey, this is that second-tier team that if everything goes right for them down the stretch and they get into the playoffs healthy, they have a chance, but it's going to be difficult. Um, and I think this week will be a good test for them to to really prove what side of the fence they're on. Obviously, it's still week four. These things really don't matter until you're in week 10, 11, 12, 13 nowadays. But I think it'll be good for the fan base and people who cover and follow the team just to get a better read on what this team is and who it really is uh, because this is a – Solid opponent, not a great opponent, but it gives you a good test on offense, and it allows your defense to maybe figure some things out as well. So it, it'll be a it'll be an interesting one because this isn't a rollover team by any means, and it isn't a Super Bowl contender by any means. So it really gives a team that we're trying to figure out if they're in that first or second tier the ability to go out and prove themselves what, which one they belong in. Yeah, and you're going to learn a lot about this team in the next three weeks. You know, against New England at home, on the road at San. Francisco on the road at Los Angeles on Monday night. Like, if they go out and handle the Patriots at AT&T and win by 10 or 14 points like you mentioned, and then they go play a tight game, win or loss, ball bounces one way or the other, probably decides that game if they're playing their best. They play their best and do that. And then based on the way the Chargers have been playing and the way the Cowboys are capable of playing – I don't think it's a great matchup for the Chargers because I think the Cowboys are going to get more stops than the Chargers will in that scenario. And if the Cowboys are playing their best, I think the Cowboys have a chance to to beat the Chargers. You know, Justin Herbert's going to put up numbers. It's going to be a little bit personal for Kellen, I'm sure, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that'll be a good game. But if this team goes 3-0 three and three and oh or 2-1 and one through this next stretch and you go into the bye week, at five and one or four and two, you feel pretty good about this team, even though they laid an egg and dropped a game they shouldn't have dropped against Arizona. Um, now, if they drop two out of these next three and you go in three and three and you've got 
Rams, Eagles, Giants. You know, now the 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 Panthers part of that is you know there there's some a lot of games in there they're going to win, but you're going to learn a lot about this team between now and the bye week over the course of the next three weeks. I think just because this is the way my brain works, say this team drops two of the next three, three of the next three. Are we? Do you think things get dicey in that head coaching room? I mean, this team's talented, and again, like anybody who listens to this show for a while knows, I'm not a huge fan of Mike McCarthy, and by no means am I calling for his job right now. I want to make that one thousand percent absolutely clear. But let's say they're two and four in the next three weeks. Think it would I, be a conversation? I think it depends on how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Because if it goes the way it went in Arizona, where the defense plays like crap, right, and the offense plays okay, they struggle to score. But I mean, the offense is down three starters. Right. The defense is, you know, they're down Trayvon Diggs, but other than that, they're healthy. Like they got everybody back for this game, other than Trayvon Diggs. Like, because the the alternative is. It will go to Dan Quinn if they if they move on from McCarthy. Absolutely. But it, but if the defense isn't performing at the level that the Cowboys believe that they should be performing at, then I don't think they move on for to McCarthy from McCarthy to Quinn because I don't think they feel like that solves anything. Sure. Um, now, if the if the defense is giving up fourteen points a game and you're losing fourteen to ten in a lot of those games, then yeah, maybe there's some conversation about. You know, Mike giving up play calling to Brian Schottenheimer, which that doesn't get a whole lot better in my mind. But, you know, hey, whatever. Uh, it's it's different, so maybe they try it. But then, like, if Mike is giving up play calling after all the talk this year about how the reason they hired him was because of how good he was on offense, and then he if he's not good on offense for the next few weeks, right. see ya. <laughs> um, it, it's going to get to be a really hard conversation about – What do you do here? <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's like uh, I feel like everything about this organization is significantly better now than it was three and a half years ago when he got hired, or almost four years ago now when he got hired. Almost everything, top to bottom, they've drafted better the last few years. They've, you know, all of it. They haven't made the same mistakes of, you know, they haven't taken the the injured off-ball linebacker who hasn't played very much off-ball linebacker in the middle of the first round. They haven't done that kind of stuff. They've hit mid-round. They've done so many – the analytics situation is so much better. The defense is light years better than it was whenever he was hired. Like, so you feel great about everything. But if he's called, if he's calling the offense and it's not a good offense – what do you do then? Right. That, that, that's, that's where, really, that, that's that's where I think that's where I think things get interesting. If like I said, they let's just assume, and I hate to even think this way, but we're just we're just projecting here, and this is what you know analyzing the teams about. But just next three games they drop them and they're two and four, and then what bye weeks week seven. So let's say they're three and four, two and five heading in the bye week, like I don't know. That that could get interesting. And like you said, it depends on how it's happening. But it's just – it's – because I don't disagree with anything you said. Like, the drafts – they've been drafting better. Like, 
we feel like this roster is the best it's ever been, but also that goes into it. If this is the best roster they've had in 15, 20 years and it's two and five going into the bye week, like something's got to give. And if you're not calling good plays on offense and you're, I mean, it's pretty well known that he's not the best game manager, makes the best decisions. And those things, it's kind of, you know, you go, okay, we got to do something different. We got to shake this bad boy up because this, this team's way too good to waste it. And, and again, that's we're way, way far away from thinking that way, and we don't think that that's going to happen. But it's it's definitely, like I said, we're we're at that point, you know, where we two weeks ago we were thinking that nothing could go wrong, and now it's like you hate to even project it out that things could go that crazy. But it's it's not totally out of the realm, and I I don't want to get all FS one on us here, but just just the way we were going with that conversation, I thought it was an interesting uh, turn and could provide an interesting conversation. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things that a game like what they had against Arizona opens up the, the possibility, possibility that something like that comes. Because two weeks ago or a week ago, <laughs> you know, we're sitting here cracking up laughing at how bad the Cowboys are beating these teams. Yeah. And then not only did, you know, and it's one thing to go out and not play your best and win by three in a game you're favored by 12. Right. You know, it's a whole nother thing to be favored by 11 and a half or 12 points and lose by 12 points. Yep. And so for a team that, you know, Jerry and Steven, they feel like they built a Super Bowl contender. I don't well, feel I don't like disagree. I can really disagree with yeah, them on that. I much. don't either. Um, if they don't become that, then it becomes an interesting conversation. And a game like this is what opens you up to have these conversations, even though they are extremely premature, almost certain. We still feel like this team is way too good to wind up in this scenario. But the whole, you know, we're going to fire our pretty good offensive coordinator and move on to our head coach who's going to call the offensive plays. And things have been going really well for us. And, and the other thing is, like, if they get to the end of the year and they are the 16th or 17th best offense and they're the second best defense and they can't score in the playoffs and they lose, yeah. <laughs> then, then you then it becomes a really interesting conversation because with that combination, you're probably 11 and 5 or yeah. 11 and 6 or 12 and 5 coming in at the end of the year. Going into the playoffs, you know, probably not the one seed or two seed because Philadelphia and San Francisco will probably be that if you're if you only win eleven or twelve games. Sure. And and you're talking about going into a wild card round and you losing the wild card round with this team because you can't score points. Oh, it, it's going to get tough, and they're going to have. It's going to be a really, really interesting set of circumstances if that happens. And that being said, I think they beat the Patriots by like 14 points, and we're we're laughing again next week. But it's just it's one of those things that we couldn't have pictured this conversation a week ago. No, but now we, it's we one closed, of those things that is. We closed the show with that same exact comment last week. You know, we think they beat the Cardinals by 21 points, and <laughs> we don't think they lose next week against the Patriots either. And then you know, it's just it's definitely flipped on its head in the last week. <laughs> For sure, for sure. In a, in a three-hour period on Sunday afternoon, um, a lot of things came into the world of possibilities that felt like they were way outside of it when they came in. Even though they're not very likely, there there is now a world, a realm of possibility where it feels like, you know, 
I think what it really is is the offense struggled in certain ways against certain things that they shouldn't have struggled against. And you kind of say, man, they just didn't have any answers. And uh, we'll, we'll find out soon, I think, if it was uh, – well, they just didn't have their offensive linemen. And their, their answer from the eight-yard line is to just line up and run power to the right side behind Terrence Steele, Zach Martin, and Tyler Smith running across pulling – and they're just going to destroy people off the line of scrimmage. And from the way Tyler Smith ran across pulling against Arizona and the way we've seen Terrence Steele and Zach Martin block on the front side of run plays, that's not that bad of a plan down there. And they just couldn't do it because they didn't have Zach Martin and they weren't going to be able to do it behind, you know, behind TJ Bass and, uh, you know, Brock Hoffman. Like they just weren't going to be able to do it. All in all, this week's going to provide us a lot of clarity and answers on this football team, and we'll be back next week to talk about the results, and hopefully we'll be a much much more uplifting podcast next week and not as much doom and gloom. Like I said, I think we're, we're both curious on the direction this thing could go, but still pretty optimistic that things aren't going to go south yet. Um, still a lot of questions to be answered, a lot of, a lot of things to correct and things to show us, but I think both me and Joey feel good that this – especially the defense will it'll likely be fine, get back on track. And we hope and think that this offense and the, the play caller and just everyone, including that offensive game plan and, and execution can, can, can clean up some of the things and, and become a better unit. Um, still early in the new play caller um, and the installer and new offense. So there's still some wrinkles to work out, but uh, I think for now, you know, we're, we're very interested to see how week four goes, but we're optimistic that things will turn back around. This team will get back in a groove. But as we talked about here, these last 15 or 20 minutes, if it doesn't, things are going to get interesting. And and while we don't hope that that happens, it's always fun to talk about when things are like that. So uh, we will be back to, to continue to follow this team, talk about this team and break down the X's, the O's, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll be here for that. So make sure you're tuned in every week on Wednesday to the Talking Star podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening.